So I want to do an exercise this morning. Today's going to be a little bit of calisthenics for you. Uh, for those of you who are able to do so, uh, if you're not, that's fine. You can uh, stay seated. But I'm going to ask uh, some true and false questions. And if they are true, I want you to stand. And if you think they are false, I want you to stay seated. And or just raise your hand if you want. But just to practice so everyone's not uncomfortable. Would everybody please stand? All right, that's what it's going to feel like when you think the statement I make is true. Would everyone please sit? There you go. If you don't think the statement is true, that's what you're going to do, all right? No looking around the room to see what everybody else is doing. That's not what we care about. We just want, and if you're home, please stand and sit with us as well. But here you go. Here's your first question. During your lifetime, you will eat about 100,000 pounds of food. Do you think that that is true or false? Does anybody think that's true? Please stand. All right. Anybody think it's false? Please seat it. Okay. It is actually false. The average person eats about 60,000 pounds, which is, by the way, the weight of about six elephants, just so you know. So that's the average. All right, here's another one. True or false, a cockroach can live for nine days after their head has been cut off. True or false? The answer to that is true. That is true. A cockroach can live for about nine days after their head has been cut off. All right, here's another one. A sneeze travels out of your mouth at about 100 miles per hour. Is that true or false? True or false? It is true. A sneeze travels out of your mouth at about 100 miles per hour. Um, how about this? When glass breaks, the crack moves faster than 3,000 miles per hour. When glass breaks, it moves faster than 3,000 miles per hour. That is true. It is true. All right. Very good. It is true. I would not have guessed that. Um, here's one. Slugs have four noses. Anyone believe that's true? My crazy kids. Snoo, sn uh, slugs have four noses is true. Slugs do have four noses. I got two more for you. How about this? Mosquitoes have teeth. Mosquitoes have teeth. It is true. Mosquitoes do have teeth. They actually have 47 teeth. Mosquitoes have 47 teeth. All right, here's the last one. Babies are born without kneecaps. Babies are born without kneecaps. That is true. There you go. True. True, true, true and a half. That's true. Yes. The cartilage area over the knee joint actually doesn't turn to bone until about two years of age. So those are all interesting. All right, thank you for playing along with Pastor Doug this morning. Good job, everybody. So the reason why I wanted to bring those questions to you is that um, a lot of these facts in this quiz that we just took are in the realm of hard to believe, right? I mean, the things I just said, some of them are like hard to believe. Well, today we're going to look at the last two letters of our message series, Life in six words. And today we're looking at everyone, life. God, our sins, paying everyone, life. That's what we're looking at. We're going to explore these words today, and we're going to see some truths about Christianity that set it apart from every other world religion. But these truths that I'm going to talk about today are hard to believe. They're hard to believe. Some of the fundamental principles of Christianity 
are hard for people who don't know Jesus to believe. And if we're honest, these truths are hard for us, those of us who are in the church, those of us who are following Jesus, those of us who understand our faith even a little bit, they're hard for us to believe. For example, at our core, at our core foundation is the belief in the resurrection. In the resurrection, that Jesus died and was raised to new life again. We also believe that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. That God is both loving and judging at the same time. We believe that, God's, uh, that the Bible is God's word to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and that salvation is by faith alone and it's not based on good works. These are all really hard spiritual truths for us to believe, and yet they stand at the very center of our faith. We have to wrestle with these truths if we are to be a people of faith. And so this morning, I would like for us once again to listen to Propaganda's spoken word poem. And for those of you who might be hearing this for the first time, try to you know, watch it and, and keep up because he does speak fast. For those of you who are watching it again for the third time, perhaps, uh, the reason why I show you this week after week is because there's a lot in this video, and he is speaking so fast. And so even if you don't catch it all, you're catching some points which are so good for us. And so I want to invite you to once again listen to Propaganda's spoken word, Life in Six Words, as he teaches us, as he teaches us about the good news and how life, these good news words, life is brought to every human being on the planet. Here now is Propaganda, Life in Six Words. It's the full story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes, God, the maker and giver of life. And by life, I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can be touched, thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept so cold, it's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond, creator and creation held an eternal bond. And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong. A species got deceived and started lusting for his job and odd list of complaints. As if the system ain't working and used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him. And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome. And by nature of your nature, your species, you participated in the mutiny, our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited, black in the human heart. It was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it? And how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like deep in a lion, homie. It'll need your help. 
Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin. It's a cancer, an asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God. And the only way to get back is to get back to perfection, but silly us. Trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us. Keep up your good deeds. Chant, pray, meditate. But all of that, of course, is spraying cologne on a corpse. Or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe. But all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection. Good luck. That's life past your pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank. But you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list, because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death. Give God his breath back, you owe him. Eternally separated, and the only way to fix it is someone die in your place, and that someone gotta be perfect, or the payment ain't permanent. So if and when you find a perfect person, get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in. Clearly, since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God, God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us. His righteousness. His death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood-stained son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in him and him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone life. <clears throat> life is short. I hear this statement almost from everyone I come across day after day, week after week, it seems that someone is saying to me, life is moving way too fast. We came out of the summer, the summer moved too fast. You go into the fall, the fall is moving too fast. And I have to wonder if all the stuff we try to cram into every minute of every day is part of the problem. I wonder if the reason why life is so fast is because we try to stuff so much into it. Last weekend, uh, our family had three different sporting events all before noon on Saturday. Before noon on Saturday, we were driving, uh, we were dividing and conquering, we were driving around, we went to Garrett Mountain, we went to uh, Alps Road soccer fields, and we went to the 
Wayne Valley High School soccer fields. And as I was lamenting to a dad in the early morning hours uh, what our schedule was going to look like during the day, uh, I told him how busy I felt. He was telling me about his own life. And he shared with me a story. He said, you know, that morning, Saturday morning, his daughter, who's 10 years old, she woke up exhausted, bleary-eyed, and she kind of stumbled into the kitchen where her dad was. And she, you know, they're talking about the day. And she's like, Dad, she goes, I never get a chance to sleep in. I'm never going to get a chance to sleep in ever again. And then she turned around and she stumbled back towards her room to get ready for the soccer game. And as he shared this story with me, I, I thought to myself, I thought, how crazy is it that we run and we run and we run and we run? We run around sports, we run around our jobs, we run around at the store, we run through our uh, family lives, we run around recreation and socially, socializations. We're running to all these different things. We run and we run and we run. And maybe what was best for us is maybe if we just learn to stop and not run so much. Maybe less running and, and doing and more resting and believing. In our journey with faith, in our journey of faith with Jesus, faith is really not that complicated. It's not. We make it complicated because we add more and more and more to our faith. We add more things to do. But God says all that we have to do is believe. That's the only thing we have to do is believe. As Propaganda said in his poem, he said anyone and everyone, and by everyone I mean everyone who puts their faith in him and him alone can claim confidence of God's forgiveness. Faith doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't require a huge list of to-dos. Everyone, yes, everyone, who puts faith and trust in Jesus Christ can be confident of forgiveness. Now, I'm sure all of us have heard John 3.16. Many of us can probably recite John 3.16, but I want us to look at John 3.16 and verse 17 as a, as a passage together. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him, everyone who believes in him, will not perish, but will have everlasting or eternal life. And then it goes on to say, God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save what? The entire world through him, to save the world through him. Anyone and everyone can be saved, but it requires belief. It requires belief, and belief requires us to slow down so we can get to know the one we are putting our belief, our trust into. Belief is at the core of God's message of salvation. If you were to look at the New Testament in the Greek language, the original language it was written in, the word belief means more than just head knowledge, like I understand something. It means trusting in. Belief means completely depending upon. Do you trust Jesus completely? That is the question for us. Well, let's, just, let's ask ourselves, what does it mean? When I say trust, what, what am I talking about? Uh, I was thinking this was a good illustration for us today. If, if I... If I just kind of put my finger on this chair, do I trust that this chair is going to hold me up? Hopefully. Maybe if I put my hand on the chair, do I, do I trust that that chair is going to hold me? 
if I put my foot up on the chair? Do, do I trust that it's going gonna, it's gonna to hold me up? What if I stand up like this on the chair? Do I trust that this chair is going to hold me? This is pretty easy for us to believe and to trust that the chair is going to hold me based on my experience. But I'd like to invite Rick and uh, Chris, if they would come up and help me with this. I have another illustration that I want to ask you to think about. As I'm standing here, this is fairly easy for me to, to trust that the chair is going to hold me. But what if I ask these two guys to stand here under this television behind me? And what if I turn like this? What kind of trust do I have to have to believe that they're going to catch me and that I'm not going to hurt myself? <laughs> I have to trust, don't I? So here goes. Thank you for catching me. Let's give them a round of applause. Right? Now, if I decided when I was standing up on that chair to ask you what kind of trust it required and turn around and look at these guys, and before I took that dive off the chair, what would it have said about my trust in them if I had said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to step down off that chair. What would that have said about my trust in them, my trust level? I demonstrated my trust by taking the plunge, by willing to go all in. I gave myself to their hands. In a similar way, Jesus' gospel message includes an element of trust. It requires us to fully put our trust in something that is unseen. It requires us to go all in, because faith and trust are at the very core of this message of salvation that is before us. This message of salvation that is available to everyone and anyone. Now, trusting like this is scary, but that's all that is required of us, is to trust and to respond in faith to this gift that God offers, that he will catch us always. On the other side of that trust is life. Life is on the other side of that trust fall. If you Google the words life, and if you were to look at the images that come up when you were to Google that, you will find lots of images uh, that show uh, sunrises and sunsets. If you said, what is life? You'll see sunrises and sunsets. You'll see people with open hands uh, lifting up towards the sky or people on nature hikes climbing mountains. You'll see the beach and symbols of growth. You'll see uh, little seedlings growing into something. All of these things are images of life. But most of the images that, that Google shows and most of the images that come to our minds at times are physical images. Right, physical representations of what we see all around us. But as Christians, we know that life extends beyond what we are experiencing here and now. If I asked you, can you describe heaven? What images come to mind? Do you see a party? Do you see a reunion with loved ones, people who have passed on before you? Do you see the dancing and the celebration or just and a sense of incredible peace and happiness? surrounding you? What does heaven look like to you? What about other people? If you ask them, do you think that other people are intrigued with this idea of heaven and, and all eternity? I would say yes. I think at the core of the human condition, we are mindful of this concept of eternity. Life with Jesus is both in the here and now, 
but also, it's also someday yet to come. Life with Jesus is in the here and now, but it's also someday yet to come. Our life on earth is relatively short. 100 years. It's relatively short. When you put that up against all of eternity, it's relatively short. Our life with Jesus is for eternity. And so while we're here on earth, we'll always be struggling with sin. We're going to struggle with the pain and the heartache of life, this life that is filled with challenges. We will face those things. But one day we will be in perfect unity, perfect unity with God. And there won't be any more suffering. There won't be any more challenge. There won't be any more pain. This past spring, our family planted a garden in the backyard. Now, last year, when we planted the garden, which was our first year, we had a tremendous crop. I mean, stuff was coming out of everywhere. I had all kinds of tomatoes and peppers, and the plants were just bursting every which way. This year, not so much. Was that a laugh from my daughter? This year, not so much. And the reason why, it was more neglected this year. Last year, we invested a whole heck of a lot more time and energy as a family. This year was a lot more neglected. I didn't water it well. Like, it would be three days of drought, and I'm like, oh, I should have watered the garden. Right? The plants and the weeds were overgrowing. I had to take a lawnmower into the garden to try and mow the weeds down because they'd gotten so bad. Like, it just, it got bad. And so I let the, the water, the lack of water, the weeds overgrowing, the plants, it choked out the, the, the plant life. It choked out their potential. It was a lean year. But if I had taken care of the garden, if I had weeded, if I had watered, if I had given the plants what they needed, I'd allowed the water and the sunshine to, to be a part of the plant's life, I'm 100% sure that the outcome for our garden would have been much, much more different. Our faith, our faith is like my garden. If we don't look after the seeds of, of faith that God has planted into each and every one of us, if we don't look after those seeds of faith, the weeds are going to overcome. The weeds are going to come into our lives. They're going to overcome. They're going to choke out our faith. The animals are going to come and they're going to devour the good, healthy plants. And they're just going to leave nubs and nothing left. The, the, the bugs are going to be allowed to, to survive and eat away at the plants. The plants are going to die and they're going to leave very little. They're going to bear very little, if any, fruit. In the same way that plants need care and nurture, there are things that we need to do, we can do, to help our faith grow. Once the seed of the Christian life sprouts, once a person says, Jesus, I believe in you. I may not understand everything, but I believe in you. That sprout grows, and then Jesus says, you, you're a saved person. I am giving you the gift of salvation. But God doesn't just want you to be a sprout. He doesn't want you to just sprout and stop there. He wants you to be a beautiful plant bearing fruit in the world. So as you're believing, how do you get there? You get there through prayer, through reading the Bible, through hanging out with Christian friends. This is not all stuff you have to do. This is stuff you end up wanting to do because of that belief that is inside of you. And it's the way you protect against the fruits. It's not more things and chores and activities. It's not, as he says, ch uh, pray, chant, meditate. All those things are, are, are not that they're garbage to God, but those aren't the thing. It is the belief, but out of the belief comes the desire to do those things, to be in relationship with God, to slow down and to want to be with him. You need to learn to depend upon the Holy Spirit who is living inside of you and helping you to live a life that honors God, that's energized by the Son, 
energized by Jesus. These are the kind of things that we can do in this life now that make the life and the coming life that we have to live with Jesus so much of a blessing. We do these things here so that the life that we have in the future, the life that's waiting for us on the other side of belief, is such a blessing to us all. The gift of eternal life is personal. It is a permanent relationship with God, the Father of the universe. Life, yes, life starts now with Jesus and it lasts forever. And so you have the key. You have the key to the question, what is the meaning of life? If anyone's ever asked you or you've ever asked yourself, what is the meaning of life? Here it is. God, our sins, paying everyone life. Study it, memorize it, think on it, believe it, and live it out. There is no better news in heaven or on earth that rivals life in six words. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this message series. I thank you for uh, what you are doing in each of our lives. And I pray, God, that we would memorize and live out this understanding of the gospel. God, I thank you for your love of us, that even as we are broken, sinful people in need of a Savior, Lord, you have come into our lives. And that as we believe in you, you give us the strength, you give us the ability, you give us the favor to be in your presence. Lord, thank you for taking away our sin, casting it as far as the east is from the west. You've removed that sin from us as we trust in you, as we live out lives that honor you. We pray this to the, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.